Hey everyone, Josh here. Quick question for you. Do you like coffee? Even more important question, do you like fresh coffee? Coffee that's roasted to order and doesn't taste like the bottom of your kitchen oven. If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you need to head over to McQuanoCoffee.com and get yourself some of the best coffee there is to get. Whether you like the light roast or the dark roast or you're feeling a little whimsical and you want to get that sample pack, McQuano Coffee Roasters has everything you need. And just when you thought this couldn't get any sweeter, make sure to use the promo code REFORMATORY to get 20% off all bagged coffee. Do yourself a favor and stop drinking bad coffee because you know what? Life's too short for that. Head on over to McQuanoCoffee.com and use the promo code REFORMATORY to get 20% off all bagged coffee. You will not regret it. Thanks, and now on to the show. What do you got for me? What's wrong with you people? I got nothing for you. What's wrong with you? going on everyone and welcome to the reformatory the podcast for the local church and by the local church and we are your local churchmen my name is josh and i am here with always as always excuse me with captain captain peppa jack captain oh my gosh (laughs) man ed ed comes Ed, ed ed is like this is what ed's like ed is like an experienced relief pitcher. <laughs> All right, it's baseball season. I'm excited about baseball. This is this is what Ed's like. Ed is the guy that comes in the clutch. You need someone to finish off the game, and you need to finish strong. Ed is that guy. Ed has given me more <laughs> nicknames for you than I can even remember, and Ed- he came in strong today, dude. To 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 use Ed's state. Yes, state sports teams as a metaphor of what he does. He's oh, there you the go. John, he is the John Stockton to your Carl Malone. He will chuck mm, you up. That's not bad. Some alley oops every single time just to dunk on me. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that's what yeah, yeah. you guys specialize in. Hundred okay? percent. He is. He is the. He is the. He is this the Michael Jordan to my Scottie Pippen. <laughs> that 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 is who he is, dude. He's amazing, dude. Captain uh, Salt and Peppa, Pe- Peppa Jack, Jack Peppa. I like it, depending on you know whether you want to go hip hop or not. <laughs> salt and Peppa. You've got to put pe- the N. It's no, oh yeah. There's there's no a, there's no A and D. It's N. Salt N. and Peppa. Salt and okay. Peppa. Peppa Jack. <laughs> Jack, my friend. How are you, dude? It's good to see you, man. We're back. We're back doing podcasting, baby. This is what we do. Yep. We're back yep. in the saddle again. Uh, I sliced my finger Aerosmith. on uh, <laughs> on Easter. Easter Sunday morning. Yeah, slicing Tell us about that. <laughs> slicing um, this pashka bread, which is okay. basically just uh, it's just fancy Easter bread that Easter most bread. Um, Russian people and any type of other folk make. And okay. I had a bread knife, which w- the blade had teeth mm-hmm. on it, right? Yes, most bread knives do. And I'm going over, and I'm cutting, 
and I have my hand on this side, and I'm just I'm just that dumb, and I just barely, just Bro. barely nick the top of my index on my left index fingernail, and it was just the blade was just that sharp mm. that it just that it just took that a little a little little chunk. and i'm just like ah that really freaking hurts i go to the bathroom i you know jesus's blood is enough right i'm already in you don't gotta sell your own i'm already in easter garb dude i'm already dude i'm already in my dress shirt and my pants and my vest and I'm you're going over your, the bathroom sunday's best you've got your sunday bonnet on and everything and I put my hand in there and it's bleeding and it's bleeding and it's bleeding. It's like, all right, I'll just put pressure on this for a minute, put pressure on it for a minute. Um, and then I just start wrapping my finger in gauze and I'm just like, you know what? We're doing it live people. I just wrap my finger in gauze and I'm like, let's go. We're going to service. We're doing this. I, I get done with Easter service, come back to the house. I start unwrapping this gauze and I'm like, eh, it's like a steady drip bleed. It's not like a gushing, but it's like a steady drip bleed. <laughs> and I'm just like, drip. just enough to be annoying. <laughs> and then like, I'm just like, oh, let's put more pressure on it. Put more pressure on it. And then I'm like, you know what? This is annoying me. It's like, let's go to urgent care. So I go over to urgent care. They're like the uh, like the only ones open until sure. like 4.30. There's nobody in there. I think the only yeah. other person was in there. That was it. So we go in there. And they're like, ah, we don't see a tetanus shot on your record. We're going to give you a tetanus shot. So they gave me a tetanus shot. <laughs> I'm like, all right, whatever. And then they're like, dude, this is how messed up some, this is how medical professionals and veterans are just like that close to each other because we have such dark humor about such gruesome <laughs> things that you see. Okay. All so right. the, the physician's assistant who's treating me, I already soaked my finger in like the solution to basically clean it out. Sure. So it's like not infected, right? Yeah. And she's taking a look at it and she's inspecting it and she's like, you know, you were just that uh, clumsy enough that you didn't hit the bottom of your fingernail so your fingernail can actually regrow. So, so congratulations on not being that stupid to cut yourself <laughs> that bad. And I'm like, thanks, lady. Thanks, yeah, thanks. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Just to add some more insult to injury right now. So exactly, um, yeah, yeah, it was fun stuff. So well, as 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 true reformatory fashion, Jack, you you soldiered on, and on behalf of all our listeners, we thank you. We thank you for being here today. (laughs) I understand the trauma (laughs) and just the the amount of courage that it takes to be here. My gosh, doing this radio with. With your boo-boo finger. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. So, so we thank oh, you. <laughs> oh, it was fun, my though. friend. Yes. Fun yeah. times, though. Oh, dude, Easter was great, man. Yeah. Easter was great. I I was, uh, I was had the blessing uh, of being able to uh, help with music on Easter. So that was nice. cool. Sang some songs. That was pretty, pretty dope. Uh, haven't sung in church for a long time. Um, I'm normally behind a drum set. Uh, yep. But we don't we don't have a drum set right now at church just because it's a smaller building and we don't want to, you know, we like the congregation's voices to be kind of the main thing, you know, so I, I got think to, I got we, to sing. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah, we have used our drum set consistently less and less mm-hmm. over the past couple of years that I've been at my local church. 
we've used it. We even used it on Easter Sunday, but it was so light and the acoustics. We met in middle school. Right. I think I've told people about this, but we're meeting in this middle school that hopefully will be a longer term relationship to where we're just meeting for one service. Dude, that's Um, awesome. We own our own church building. Our church building is not that big. Mm -hmm. And we're just like, you know what? Let's instead of us being this two church two congregations, two services. Yeah. Let's just have one. And it was so good, man. It's so good to know that like everybody's there. Yeah. And like you get to see everybody and you don't have to like get that overlap, the yeah. in-between time in the service and stuff oh, like 100%. that. So Yeah. No, shout out to your pastors for making that call too. That's 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 a that's that's a gutsy and I think really, really really admirable admirable call on their part also i just about tipped my camera over uh it didn't it was close i kicked it with my foot under the table so anyone that's listening to this you know, when it goes up on youtube make sure, to, make sure to go check that out. it scared oh, me dude man. i thought i thought my camera. i thought i was going over but uh, it's neither here nor there it's funny too because we talked about this over and over again uh yeah. our one of our elder candidates they he pastored uh, a church that primarily met in a middle school and it was a setup and tear down dynamic, but it was so good because Saturday we were setting things up. We got to talk to the custodians. There's a lot of interaction with the custodians, our pastors, our members. We're talking with the custodian. It was a really good vibe. I think that custodian is a, is an army vet too, if I'm not mistaken from some of our conversations, but um, just stuff like that. It was really, and it's interesting too, because that middle school wanted us to come Mm, yeah like we talked to their administration we said hey we're looking for a building we're looking for a school primarily Mm -hmm. and it's interesting because the entrance to the school you literally have to go across a railroad track and make a left-hand turn in order to get into the school parking lot and i'm like so people have an excuse when they say they're late to church <laughs> and a train comes yeah, through right next train. to the school. That's right. So it's, yeah, that won't uh, be used and abused. But man, yeah. it was really good. It was a, it's a solid setup there. I could see us hopefully being in there. Hopefully it's going to be on a longer term basis. I think this was our test run. I think yeah. we're probably going to do this a couple more times. Um, Legit. So yeah, it was, it was great. It was fun time celebrating the resurrection. Amen. That's awesome, so, dude. Yeah, that's really that's that's cool. That's really cool. Jack, before we hop into our topic today, my friend, yes, why sir. don't you give us the reformatory cigar of the week? What do you got? So this cigar was spurred on by a conversation just moments ago, recently on Twitter mm-hmm. with Mister who says uh, who s- says Twitter <laughs> doesn't give us good things exactly uh, <laughs> with Mister Darren. Darren, so Darren out of out. out of Utah, dude. Everybody's out of Utah these days. You got Ed down hey, there. You, you need good Darren. Christians in Utah, man. So anyway, Darren spurred this conversation because you posted a picture of the Rose of Sharon. I did, and then he said, "You know what else is good? Mm-hmm. The Matilde Serena." Mm-hmm. And this is one of the only other Connecticut's that I think is on par. As far as like good smokable Connecticut's, I would say it's the Serenia, the Charter Oak, Connecticut, and the Rose yeah. of Sharon. 
I would say that those are the those are the top three. That's the trinity of Connecticut's right there. So, mm-hmm. um, but this is the Matilde Serenia. Uh, we're especially going into the vitolicizing of the Corona. So, okay. the Corona has been kind of more like better to smoke than like a robusto sizing or anything like that. Um, and it is it's an interesting blend. So it is. It's an the wrapper is Ecuadorian Connecticut, right? Yeah. But the binders and the fillers, the binder is Dominican. Mm-hmm. And the filler is Dominican and Nicaraguan. Oh man. So you gotta sneak those Nicaraguans in. This is the this oh, yeah. is the great thing. The price point on this bad boy is like six to seven bucks. Yeah. Dude, it's this a good is budget like stick. yeah. This is like yep. fantastic. Okay. Yep. So I would say that this is going to be somewhat like that Nicaraguan tobacco is going to give you a little bit more complexity. Uh, yep. I actually saw reviews and they kind of broke it down and they said like they're actually going through the thirds. So they said the first third is not that bad. It kind of start starts off a little bit peppery mm-hmm. and then it kind of goes out and smooths out into kind of like some sweetness some creaminess and people are saying like the final third which is crazy yeah. the final third is actually better because it tastes more like some hints of like roasted nuts and leather so Delicious. interesting flavor dynamics there yes so, absolutely. interesting yeah. flavor <laughs> dynamics there anyway uh but yeah the uh matilde serena uh corona there it is um i would say that this is like i said i would say it's Probably one of the top three, if not the top four, Connecticut's on the market. Plus mm-hmm. that price point, that's well worth just oh, smoking yeah. at one time. To be quite Absolutely. honest, so that's right. There All right, go. ladies and gentlemen. Well, you heard it here first, possibly for the first time. The Matilde Serena in the Corona size. That is the reformatory cigar of the week. Go and smoke to the glory of God. All right, Jack. So here we go, baby. Um, got a, I think, really important topic today. One that hits close to home for me. Yeah. Um, and I think that uh, it's it, it's a harder one to talk about, I think, in some context. But our goal here is to be encouraging. We want to be encouraging yeah. in this. Um, I think often, you know, when we... When the topic of of young pastors or young theologians, just young young zealous Christians, is 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 spoken about, it can be done so, kind of in a way of you know you know like the old codger, like kind of get off my lawn, yeah. shut you know you know <laughs> shut up. You're meant to be you're meant yeah. to be seen and not heard, right? Get um, there in the back. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I think it can be it can be discussed, you know, when we're talking about young guys, you know, um, um and you know, you know, young guys, especially those that are kind of um, wanting to be in ministry, but not just that. Young Christians, men and women, coming up into Reformed theology, um, especially kind of in that context, right? It can the the topics can often be be talked about, and and it goes into it quickly drifts into that despising them because of their youth uh, mm. scenario. Right, yeah, which we know sure. from Timothy, like we shouldn't do that, right? Yeah, um, 
it's not their fault they're the age they are. It's not their fault that, you know, they're in the theological stage that they're at. We believe God is sovereign over both those things. Um, and we shouldn't be despising someone because of the youth that they have, either either physical age or their their youth in in Christianity or in theology, right? Because we were all there. And some of us are yeah. still there, right? Yes. Um, and, it, and it's important. <laughs> it's important to have that caveat. However, I do think that there are some things to discuss um, with that in mind when talking about young people coming up in Reformed theology, um, and then especially uh, young men who have a desire to be in ministry. Um, I think I think there are some inherent pitfalls to watch out for. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, many of which uh, I can easily say I have fallen in myself. Yeah. Um, so this entire ep is by no means a Jack and I saying, "Hey, you got you, you whippersnappers, get 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 it together, right?" <laughs> um, I very much want the people that listen to this, I want them to learn from my mistakes <laughs> and to learn as like, Hey, I, I was here. Here's some things that I did. And these are some things to watch out for. Right. So, um, something that I have observed over, and I think social media really kind of, um, inflames this. Yeah. Um, but I do think that there is an issue to talk about. And that issue is you often see, like I said, especially on social media, a coinciding, if you will, between young individuals mm-hmm. that are within, you know, Reformed theology that might be Reformed Baptist, might be Presbyterian, might yeah. be, you know, just, you know, Calvinistic, right? You see a correlation between those individuals in that demographic and an unwillingness to an unwillingness to learn and to be quiet yeah and to be humble yeah in theological topics right? yes <clears throat> um you you see this a lot online you see the guy who loves to post you know the 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 real spicy theological hot takes <laughs> right yeah uh, or the the guy who's been pastoring for you know maybe a year maybe a year and a half uh, be very quick to give pastoral advice, yeah. um, you know, in, and, and preaching advice and, and be very dogmatic, be very dogmatic sure. about the stances that, that they have. Right. Yeah. Um, now again, zeal is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Zeal for the truth is good and yeah. it should be commended and encouraged. However, and this is something I have learned the hard way. Yeah. Zeal in and of itself, I think it was Calvin, and I'm going to paraphrase the quote, but he said something to the effect, it was either Calvin or Edwards, I think. He said something to the effect of zeal zeal without wisdom is like a sharp sword in the hands of a maniac. If we do not have wisdom to temper the zeal that we have, mm-hmm. we are going to cut and inflict more damage than we do good. Yeah. And again, speaking from personal experience. Yeah. 
And it's, you know, as much as we joke about, you know, like the couple who's been married a year, like writing a marriage book, right? That's, that's a, you know, or, or, or giving marriage advice. Like, you know, the things that we've learned and oh, it's like, gosh. man, 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 you've been married a year. Come on, man. Right? Like, <laughs> take a chill um, pill. <laughs> take a chill pill, you know, as much as we joke about that. And, and there's a lot to joke about there. It is a very real thing in ministry and especially yeah. in reformed culture. Right. Yeah. And that's what we want to talk about today. Right. Um, so, Jack, let me um, let me throw it up to you first. Sure. And maybe just pose the question uh, before we, we get into some of the more more detailed aspects of it. Why do you think there is such a prevalence of this issue of young, um, inexperienced reformed folks? Uh, very, very, you know, you know, trying to and and, and engaging uh, in in this way that that it's it's obvious that uh, they want to be heard, that they have yeah. things to say, yeah. Um, but it's often, and again, not across the board, but it is often done so in a way that is without humility, without temperance. Um, why do you think that is? Why is that? Why is that so prevalent, especially in I think young guys wanting to wanting to get into or that are in currently uh, uh, pastoral ministry? Yeah, I think it's a combination of a couple different things. Um, first, I want to start off with just an example, too, of what Paul gives us in 1 Corinthians. Hmm. Um, he talks about this in chapter 8 in 1 Corinthians. He says, Now, about food sacrificed to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone thinks he knows anything, he does not yet know it as he ought to know it. But if anyone loves God, he is known by him. I want to say that that's a very key passage to what we're talking about right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Primarily because when younger men, maybe even middle-aged or older men, come to the doctrines of grace... They go into this place called the cage stage. Everybody knows it. <laughs> We've all been there. Okay? Yeah. And I, you know what? I've. It was weird because when I first became a Christian in college when I was 18, I really was kind of zealous but in a legalistic way. Hmm. And I think I was like that because I saw a lot of just Christians who had played the game while they grew up. They just went to youth group, and then I finally had this encounter with the gospel and with the real Jesus, and I'm just like, what are y'all doing? Sure. What are y'all, you know, and it's just like, how can you not take things seriously? How can you not Mm -hmm. take these things like, I would sit in sometimes at Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and some of these guys would say, I don't think I can go to a party and not drink. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Um, So, man, it was just very difficult to be in a culture like that where you're so zealous and you're carrying this sword and you're just like, I got to hit everybody I can with this thing because they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. Um, So 
from personal experience as well too, but I've been on the legalistic side of things. Now in the I felt like I was in exile when I came into the cage stage mm-hmm. because it was 2006 2015. I just had gotten out of the army. I just moved back into Central Washington area. And really, I had nobody to talk to about this. I think I posted some cringe stuff on Facebook at the time. But that was about it. Yeah, didn't we (laughs) all? Didn't we all? Um, (laughs) It was so funny, too, because at that time, uh, Doctrine and Devotion started to, to really begin their like, really bad first episodes on YouTube and everything. <laughs> and shout out oh, to man. shout out to Jofo. Shout Jeez. out to Jofo, man. Those first get a, episodes. I'm gonna were get rough. a text from Joe and be like, hey, what what's up, homie? <laughs> be like, you talked to Jack. That hey, was all him. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, those first episodes really started to cement this idea of this is what it means to be a particular Baptist. Um, yeah. So right, they really were right. starting I think Joe and Jimmy were really trying to to like guide the younger guys into being like don't be stupid okay please yeah, don't be like yeah, this yeah yeah and you know when you're when you're when i was living in you know the small town that i was living in i would go to a pretty solid baptist church sure um but still you didn't have i didn't have like a whole lot of peers to talk to within that context mm-hmm. um and i think that sometimes people take on a persona and you see this happen in our culture today. The The way that you stand out is you leverage celebrity and you leverage the way in which we get information in our time across to people, and that's through social media, and that's through being charismatic. Sure. And if I have to be charismatic and if I have to offend people and be brash and put that on social media, I'm going to do that in order to get my sure. point across. Because yeah. nobody else... And this is the and this is the bad thing. Nobody else is speaking the truth like I speak the truth, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is sure. the most sure. narcissistic thing on the planet that you could yeah. ever say. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the cage stage really does create a theological uh, um, elitism. Yeah, it really does place you on an island in which you think you are the governor of that of that island. Right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, it does. Yeah. But I mean, that's the I think those are the trappings. Mm-hmm. I think the the thing that really didn't help I think our generation as millennials was that we were being taught to preach in a way from shocker, codenamed Dark Crystal, um <laughs> in a way in which it didn't matter. It sure. didn't matter if I had to go scorched earth on you. Sure. I would do it in a sermon, and I would do yeah. it again. As long as I was speaking truth, it doesn't matter yeah. how I say it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and, man, you you listen to older saints in the faith mm-hmm. and how they've gone through expository preaching, and that's just not how they've done it ever before. Right. Never. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a... Um, I think there is a misunderstanding with a lot of young guys that are coming into ministry with what it means to be a pastor, what it means to be a leader in your local church. Yeah. And I think there's so much emphasis placed on making sure that 
the theological aspects of who you are are as pure and as perfect as possible. Now, theological precision is important. <laughs> we yeah. need to know what's right and we need to be able to articulate what's right. Sure. But I think what ends up happening is you have so many of these guys that are young, perhaps in Reformed theology, definitely young in leadership, yeah. that want so much, so much, so many of the benefits of being in leadership without the responsibility. And the responsibility that that they do want is the leading, the preaching, the teaching. Right. And all of kind of the flashy upfront stuff. But you have so yeah. many individuals who want those aspects of leadership, but they don't want to shepherd. Yeah. They want to be able to say what they want to say, say it how they want to say it without any of the consequences. Right. And this is what's ironic. This is what's this is what's ironic about this whole thing is that the vast majority of individuals that talk like this talk like this online for a reason. Because the people that you're speaking to, you don't have to interact with. You can just say what you want to say. You can go scorched earth on the entire thing. Yeah. And you can close your laptop lid, put your phone away, and you don't have to think about it anymore. You don't yeah. have to deal with those people's souls. You don't have to deal with those people's emotions, with those people's thoughts, with those people's backgrounds, with any of the baggage that 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 they are bringing to the table in discussing these things with you. You don't have to deal with any of that. You can just say what you want to say and take off, and it's easy. Yeah. Right? But it's not pastoral, and it's done so with a lack of understanding of what it, what it means to shepherd people. And we have these guys who want to be seen as wise— want yeah. to be seen as knowledgeable, as experts in their field, but they want all the benefits of that without any of the work that it takes to get to that point, right? And like I've said, I'm, I'm, speaking, I'm speaking from experience here. I know what that feels like and what that's like because I was that. Yeah. I wanted all of the prestige and the double honor that comes with being in pastoral ministry without having to actually do the work of shepherding, without actually having to deal with people's souls and actually have to care for the people uh, that I shepherd, that I speak to, right? And you learn very quick, the longer you're in ministry, that not only what you say is important, but how you say it is important. Yeah. And you learn how to communicate. You learn how to lead graciously and humbly. You learn how to how to how to lead people to the to the conclusion that 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 you want them to to be at, but you do it in a way that is shepherding and not just berating them for not being there, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's I think a major aspect of it is that you see a lot of these dudes who are very quick to show you how much they know, especially online. And one of the first things that I ask myself is, you know, one, do you do you interact this way with the people in your church when you come across a theological difference that that you may have? Because yeah. if you do, that's worrisome. Yeah. That's worrisome. <laughs> yeah. That's that's I I guarantee you if you are interacting with people 
in this manner in your local church, you're going to ostracize anyone who has questions because they're oh, just, yeah. you know, they're worried they're just going to get, they're just going to get shellacked verbally if they, yeah. if they come to you with any disagreements or anything like that. Right. So that's always, that's always my first, my first worry there, you know, a second worry and a question that I have is, you know, how long, how long have you been <laughs> in the ministry? Yeah. How long have you been pastoring people? How many times have you had to sit across the table from someone who disagrees with you or someone that needs your help or someone that's hurting or any of the, you know, all of the thousands of different scenarios that pastors will will come across? How how much experience do you have under under your belt that gives you the confidence that you have right now? Right? Yeah. And again, not despising anyone because of their youth or their lack of experience. That is where the Lord has them. Yeah. But we do need to understand that age and experience are real things. Yeah. Right? And, and, I, and to speak and he, with such confidence without those things, I often find troubling. Right? Yeah. And even Josh and I were talking about this kind of before we started to record, but it's like your disposition... And how you handle things and how you come across is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're coming across as a know-it-all, as a I'm the alpha dog here, you need to shut up. Right. You're not helping your your flock. <laughs> you're not helping the members of your local church body flourish, to be quite honest. Um, you're not helping them in ways in which they probably need and most likely, I mean, let's be honest, if you're in certain contexts of the local church, um, some people just came from a local church that had jerks for pastors. Yeah. And yeah. treated them like you're now trying to treat them. Mm-hmm. And so how are you even walking through with them and how they've been hurt <laughs> Right. unfortunately, by another local yeah. church, and they're trying to find refuge to where you're at, and you're going to continue this cycle again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a very... I guess this just goes back to how, unfortunately, some people will get into that cycle where they mm-hmm. go from one church to where they had jerks for pastors, they didn't shepherd them. All they cared about was being on stage, in the spotlight, glitz and glam, and then if they couldn't even hold a conversation after the sermon because of whatever reason. (laughs) Sure. Right? Or they had to go through so many intermediaries just to get a meeting with you, which, by the way, if you're doing that, please stop. (laughs) Yeah. It's not helping anybody. Um, Pastors should be accessible to their people. Yeah. Absolutely. And so it's just very, I think that that, unfortunately, like this is kind of like the horseshoe effect that we're dealing with kind of in um, certain aspects of North American Christianity right now, in which you kind of were done dirty back in the day, but you actually are kind of carrying on these traits as a shepherd or as an elder and somehow, nobody's challenging you on this. <laughs> sure, right. Um, so, 
I think that if if you're seeing yourself just becoming emotionally pent up because somebody comes to you with something that asks a question or even challenges a position mm-hmm. and you have an emotional response to that um i i don't I think you might have to take some sabbatical or something because it's like, <laughs> man, people are going to come to you with a whole bunch of crazy stuff. Yeah. And, you know, like it or not, like you're there to shepherd them. You're there to love them and you're there to steer them towards uh, the truth in love uh, and in mercy and not in a way that comes across as just do what you're told. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's why it's so important to have a plurality of elders, and mm-hmm. and if if possible, a plurality of elders that have different ages and life experiences. Yeah, right. Because look, you need those young, energetic pastors. You need you need the go getters. You need the guys <laughs> who have the energy, right, yeah. and have you know have the zeal and have the desire. But you also need you also need the the older, wiser, more seasoned guys who have been doing it for a while to be able to, you know, hold the leash back and say, Hey, 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 I love the zeal. I love the energy, but this is how I have seen this go off the rails before. Let me tell you how this goes, dude. We have, um, we have a fantastic at, uh, uh, redeemer. We have a fantastic elder group that is comprised of both young and older guys. Right. Mm -hmm. And I see that dynamic work itself out and that, you know, there's there's the dynamic of the young guys who who I I think the Lord has blessed with lots of wisdom for sure. But, you know, want to get stuff done and and be like, you know, I think this is a good direction of the church. And 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 they're right. They're not wrong. It is a good direction of the church. One of our one of our elders, his name's Dwayne. Love him to death. He's been in ministry, you know, 40, 50 plus years. Right. The guys, the guys, the guy has seen more, and he has forgotten more about pastoral ministry than I know, <laughs> right? Yeah. And you see his care and his love for the church, in encouraging and 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 showing affirmation to to those things, but also showing the wisdom of restraint. And yeah. you see the wisdom of years come through in the way that he talks. And the way that he approaches things, and the way that the way that the way that he views, you know, problems or issues or scenarios in the church, you see those wheels turning, and you, you mean, and and you just know, like those wheels, those wheels have been turning longer than I've been alive. Yeah, and yeah. the um, the immense blessing that that is to a local body to have men like that who are able to encourage the zeal but also apply the wisdom of years that that zeal needs dude it is it, it's such a it's such a magnificent blessing especially to younger younger guys in the ministry surround yourself with old seasoned veterans who have yeah. been fighting this war much longer than you that is what's going to keep you on the straight and narrow and that's what's going to keep you effective as a pastor not burning out and not you know, conducting yourself in a way that's going to ostracize you from your people is yeah. by learning from those guys. I mean, it's been a massive blessing to me in my ministry, having those older guys that come alongside and be like, hey, Josh, 
you know, what you're doing here. You know, the idea here is good. Maybe the way you're going about it. You know, maybe, maybe try this, yeah. you know, and then I'll be like, well, well, I don't know. You're, you know, you know, you're out of touch. Yeah. I don't know. You're old, man. Yeah, that's not how we do things anymore. And then I take five minutes to think about it and be like, oh man, oh man, he's right. He's this, right. yeah, this is, this dynamic yeah. was seen a lot in the army. You would have a lot of new, <laughs> the young lieutenants, brand new, <laughs> fresh out the box, bucking up to the sergeants, man. Bars, it's like, yeah, yeah. coming out. Just got just got trained up in their uh, in their specialty in the army. And I, all of a sudden, you. all of a sudden, they're gonna go out there and win the war. I saw it oh, all the yeah. time. Dude, I saw it. I saw it a couple times in Afghanistan, and it was just so annoying because it's like you could have that disposition, or you could have the disposition disposition of I just need to care for my people. Mm. How do I do that really well, and how do sure. I not be a jerk about that? Yeah. Um, or you could have this disposition of like having delusions of grandeur <laughs> right. and right. going on like that. And that really doesn't help out anybody. Um, no, and you, and you even see that from the past too with, um, man, just, uh, I was watching, uh, a couple different documentaries on just like Vietnam and stuff like that. And how a lot of the, the term getting fragged came yeah. out of that war because there were so many young brand spanking new second lieutenants that thought I can win this war just right. on my own knowledge. And I'm so puffed up and I'm so capable that they completely threw everybody under the bus in order to get mm-hmm. stuff accomplished. And then their guys, their own soldiers turned on them yeah. to like throw a grenade in their tent. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, Please don't be like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I have, uh, I found so so James James chapter three, right? We're talking about we're talking about these guys coming into ministry, wanting to be seen as wise, wanting yeah. to be seen as knowledgeable, wanting to be seen as leaders in the church, right? And I understand that desire, right? But we need to understand that your knowledge, your your ability to articulate theological concepts uh, as as eloquently as you can that that doesn't make a leader, right? This is what wisdom looks like, right? And this is something I have to remind myself of, because too often I can I can stray from this. This is coming from a heart that is convicted of this, right? James chapter three, starting in verse thirteen, it says this. It's really short, but it's powerful. James says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Mm-hmm. Yep. James says, If you want to be seen as wise, if you want to be seen as one who has understanding, it's not in your articulation of high theological concepts. Yeah. It is in the meekness of wisdom. Show his works. How are you leading? Yeah. How are you leading in meekness and in wisdom? How are you caring for your people in gentleness and in love? How are you shepherding your people through all of the things that they are going through, all of the different scenarios that they'll find themselves in their life, how are you as their pastor, how are you leading and caring for them? That that verse right there hits me so hard because it, one, it's encouraging in that, you know, to be seen as wise, 
I don't need to know assist Theo front yeah. front to back. Yeah. But it also is convicting because it's not about so much what I know. Mm-hmm. It's what I'm doing. Yeah. How do I lead God's people? Do I want to be seen as wise? Do I want to be seen as one who has understanding? It's by the good conduct of my works. Yeah. In the meekness of that wisdom. That is where and how I am seen as wise, right? James is taking it out of out of the the temporal, out of the just knowledge-based, and he's saying, okay, with all of the knowledge that you have, how are you applying that? How are you leading your church? How are you loving your people? Jack, I think we need to get back to that. And I know that's something that I need a reminder of every single day. If I want to be seen as one who is wise among the people of God, I need to first be seen as one who is a shepherd and who is giving of myself to care for the needs of my people in 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 meekness. Yeah. Right? That's the word he uses there, meekness. Yeah. Not boastful, not arrogant, not prideful, not trying puffed to be up. seen, yeah. not puffed up, <laughs> not trying to be seen as someone in front. Yeah. Meekness. Yeah, I think that's I mean, that's the I think we're coming from this too in in one of two ways. I mean, I think Josh is coming at it from previously being a pastor and then even pursuing pastoral ministry back again too. Mm-hmm. And I'm coming at it from the angle of being a layman and also being uh, somewhat of a deacon and someone taking the place of just like, I'm here to listen. I'm here mm-hmm. to participate if you ask mm-hmm. me. And and that's the thing, too. Like, you can be very skilled at something as a member of a church, but it is vastly different to use that knowledge and that understanding as a weapon <laughs> Versus as a tool, like what Paul says, to build up, Mm, right? So you can either do a couple different things. You can can take the knowledge that you have and just use it like a a hammer every single time and whack people over the head Mm -hmm. with it. Or you could use it as a tool in which it builds people up. Um, I'll give you an example. We are going... Go to go through the Apostles' Creed for the next 10 to maybe 12 weeks coming forth. Nice. And the two, <laughs> there's two sentences in that creed that people get stuck up on, right? Sure, sure. We won't talk, we won't go into this on this episode, <laughs> but I'm just saying there's two, there's those two sentences. And so I was having this just little text thread conversation with one of my pastors, and they said, Hey, you know, we got a, a community group guide for you to go through. Uh, for the next week when we start into the Apostles' Creed series, da 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 da, and I said, "Hey, I got some books. I've gone through them. If you need them," and he's like, "Ooh, yeah, I do. I need a couple refreshers on those two sentences. So, yeah, um, bring those when you get that stuff when you come by the church. So, you could have a disposition of building up people in your church with the knowledge that you have, or you could use it as a weapon." It is not very wise to use it as a weapon (laughs) because I know from experience that is going to breed a church culture of competitiveness Mm. and not one of love. You're not spurring each other into doing good works. You're literally spurring each other to fight with one another all the time. Mm -hmm. And you're never going to get things done because it's always going to be, I got a jockey in order to get 
into church leadership so that I can serve and get to this top dog position. Right. I mean, this is the stuff that we've been talking about for the last couple episodes of how those business concepts really conflate what we're really supposed to be doing in the church. We're not supposed to be trying to out-earn one another <laughs> in our revenue earning in the church sure. here, people. We're supposed yeah. to be building each other up and equipping each other in order to minister to the saints and also mm-hmm. to proclaim the gospel. Right. So it it's just those two things. Like You could use wisdom as a weapon or you could use it as a tool to build. Mm. And I think sometimes people conflate those two things. And um, if they're <laughs> if they're really defensive about it uh, and not honest and not more have a disposition of being more like, yeah, I do do that. Yeah. You know, not having that disposition of confession, that's going to hurt you as a leader going forward because sure. that puffed up nature is not going to go away by itself. Yeah. So. Yeah. At the end of the day. The church, the church needs young, energetic, zealous leaders. But it needs those leaders to understand and to not be defensive of the youth that they have. And it needs leaders that understand they don't know and they don't know everything, and their inexperience in age and in the ministry uh, has some pitfalls to watch out for. Yeah. And those pitfalls can be avoided. Yeah. And it's done. Absolutely. It's done with putting more stock into learning how to shepherd in meekness mm-hmm. versus trying to be the guy who's out front being seen and trying to show the world how wise and knowledgeable he is. Yeah. That is going to get you onto the fast track <laughs> of burnout and ostracizing yourself from yeah. your people. Yeah. We need leaders in the church that care for their people, care to shepherd their people, and who don't care about being seen in a certain light. Yeah. And I do believe that that disposition comes from time, age, and scratches and bruises in ministry. Yeah. I'm talking as someone who gets it. Yeah. And I like I understand. And I'm not at all saying that I have arrived. <laughs> By no means, I am not an old, seasoned warrior, uh, but, you know, but I have I have more than a couple years. Of experience in the ministry. Yeah. Right. But I do not have the amount that, you know, like I mentioned, our, our elder Dwayne does that I look at him and I just think, my goodness, Lord, like, please get me to that point. That That's where I want to be. Right. And that's okay. And that's okay. But we need to have hearts of humility. Yeah. A desire to lead in meekness and gentleness and a heart that cares more about loving and shepherding our people than it does being seen as the smartest guy in the room. Yeah. 
Exactly. And that's hard for young folks to do. And yeah. I understand that. Yeah. But it's something something we gotta watch out for. Right? Yeah. Right. Because that 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 if you have that that disposition, it'll make you a good leader. Mm-hmm. I don't care how young you are. If you have the disposition that 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 your care for the shepherding of the souls of your people comes first, that's gonna make you a good pastor. Yeah. That's gonna make you a good leader because your people are gonna see that and they're gonna flock to that because they know this individual cares about my soul. They care about me, and they want to give me Jesus, and they're going to do that. That is what's going to make you an effective pastor, not your ability to spout theological concepts. Yeah. Right? We need to come back to that. Yeah. We need to have that mentality. And I think if more young folks in the ministry, more young folks just in Reformed theology even, have that understanding and have that mentality, man, the church will flourish. The health of the church, it will be such, there'll be such health that happens within the church because we have people that care more about the souls of their brothers and sisters than they do showing their brothers and sisters how smart they are. Yeah. Right. Big yeah. Eva has sung, sir. Big I Eva think she has, has sung. Jack. Yep. I think she has. There's more that could be said, <laughs> but uh, I think we'll I think we'll call that an ep. I think we're already way over time. Yeah. My friend, uh, Jack Peppa, Captain Peppa Jack. <laughs> Captain Peppa Jack. <laughs> Captain Peppa Jack. Why don't you get us out of here, my guy? <laughs> oh my gosh, it sounds like a bad tid- kids TV show right there. Yeah, so. it does. Oh well, what did gosh. Ed say? It's, it sounded like a it sounded like a bad cereal, right? Is that yeah. what he said? Yeah, sounded like the worst cereal ever that I'm not going to yeah, eat. Yeah, Captain like, Captain well, Pepper Jack. Welcome to my world of letting letting people down. <laughs> ladies oh, and gentlemen, I know it. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, if you appreciate Josh and I's um, efforts to make the local church central to your life and to the believer's mm-hmm. life, you can continue these conversations that we're having, and even just. The typical conversation of just the cigar recommendation alone. Recommendation. So if you appreciate just our time and talking about the local church and making that central and known to the believer's life, you can follow us on the sociables, if you will, the metaverse, the Facebook. Yes. It'll be laying off more people next week, which is terrible, but I guess that's the way things go when you Mm. don't plan right financially. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You can also uh, follow us on the Instagram. goes well with chocolate and marshmallow. Or you can follow us on the biggest dumpster fire in the world called the Tweaker, the Twitter, (laughs) the Little Blue Bird site. Uh, All at the tag. You can follow us at the tag, uh, at Reformatory Pod. Uh, Josh, you can tell the lovely people how they might support you, us in other different ways. You what? can't say nothing. You know why what? you can't say nothing? You know why you can't say what? nothing? Because you, you're you paying eight bucks. <laughs> you're paying for the blue check of that dumpster yeah. fire. You're roasting s'mores on that dumpster fire is what you're doing. <laughs> I they love how the whole demographic... Odd, but- yeah, I love how the whole demographic has switched now that the cool folks, the cool people, are the ones that didn't pay for this. <laughs> we're all just eating each other. That's all That's all we're doing. Yeah. It's all a class system, Doesn't Jack. Matter. It's literally Doesn't the matter. Hunger we're Games on Twitter. Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> Shooting well, here's, here's what you can do, folks, if you appreciate Jack and I's attempts, as he said, to make the local church central in the life of the believer. There are a couple ways you can help support us. First... 
if you are on a podcast platform that allows you to rate and review the podcast, we ask we ask that you do so. We ask that you give us a little five stars for five solos. Maybe leave a little uh, review on uh, what you like about the podcast. Tell us how you found the podcast. It really does help the podcast get out to more people, um, and that they can be encouraged also uh, in you know local church, local church stuff. Exactly. We appreciate that, especially if you're on Apple. I know so many people are on Apple, and I know, I know that you're listening right now, talking to you, talking to you. You're listening right now, and you haven't given us a rating. You haven't given us a review. (laughs) I'm asking you. I'm pleading with you. I'm I'm exhorting you in the Lord to give us that five stars for five solas. That'd be awesome. We appreciate that. Last but not least, we have a Patreon, and we release uh, bonus episodes on that Patreon. It's a lot of fun. Head on over to the Podluck. That's right. You heard yeah. that, right? The Podluck. And for a $5 holla, you two could have uh, your name. Uh, wait, no. What is it? Yeah, yeah. You two could support the podcast. And our pledge to you <laughs> is that your name shall be hallowed. Hallowed, sir. Hallowed. Hallowed through the halls of the podcast. Almost didn't get through it. That's all right. <laughs> we're, we're getting there. We thank you guys for listening. And we will catch you on the next step of the reformatory. <laughs>